listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight I'm joined by uh, Jennifer Hetzel and uh, Chris Andrew. How are y'all doing? Good. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, busy. It's uh, end of the school year, so I'm trying to get stuff wrapped up at my campus. But uh, and then, of course, you know, website stuff and all that other good stuff. So, uh, but uh, and then uh, planning, helping plan Geek Fest, and we actually have a, a Geek Fest preview event this weekend. Uh, so trying to get planned for that, and just tons of stuff. So, you know, life, 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 all over the life. Life. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well, let's kind of jump on into our book. Our our book this month was, uh, I believe, Jennifer, I believe you're the one that um, uh, said we should go with this one, uh, recommended it, and uh, not that it's not pertinent to current times or anything, <laughs> but uh, this month's <laughs> book... reasons. Exactly. Uh, this month's book was uh, 1984, written by George Orwell. Uh, before the show actually started, uh, right as we were picking up the stream, uh, we, we were actually talking about this has been... Uh, all three of us, this is our first read-through of the book. Um, we're pretty sure it used to be a staple in, like, probably, I, I would assume, I would assume either maybe college, but I would probably high school reading, and uh, none of us read it during those time periods. Um, going back, just, you know, before we get into the book, just looking at it, I could, I can see why there are individuals that would not want this book read in public school. Uh, <laughs> just because it might give people ideas, but, um, I also live in the Bible belt. So, uh, that being said, let's go ahead and get started with it. Uh, we're going to start with our first impressions of the book. Um, but anyone like to go first? All right. I'll go. All right, Chris, what were your first impressions? Um, so just full disclosure, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. I'm on the beginning parts of. Yeah, the first chapter of part three. Um, I, I like you, it, people read it in high school. Ray read it in high school, and I never did. And, and I had friends who read it, and I just, and I knew it was a dystopian about 1984. I had no idea it was written in 1949. Yeah. So knowing that, um, it's, it, it, it was hard to get into. It's really dry because it's very, like monotone because yeah. it's just Winston and he's sort of his life is very it's he's just sort of it's drudgery so it was really he he hates his life and so that kind of reflected in the first little bit of it I kind of hate his life like oh, I hate I his agree. life yeah. it's pretty awful yeah <laughs> well the fact that this book was written in the 40s and uh, has mm-hmm. gotten so much uh, at least kind of on the technology side, right? Even up to this point was, is kind of scary. Um, of course it hasn't been implemented quite as, you know, he, you know, foretold in the book, but, uh, the fact that, you know, he, he saw these, you know, giant screens that almost, you know, in this case take up the entire wall, but, you know, nowadays we have them that almost take up an entire wall. I mean, televisions have gotten huge. Um, yeah. and they have their cameras built in. So they're actually two way and everything else. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, he kind of, he, he kind of hit that one really close to home. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I got a cough. <laughs> Just won't go away. Um, I had, the book to me was, um, 
I'm going to compare this to something else. Uh, I've heard people talk about how they've never seen Star Wars, but they know everything in Star Wars because uh, it, there are so many tropes that have come out of Star Wars. Like it, you know, there are so many things in science fiction, um, well, just in flat out storytelling nowadays that come directly from Star Wars. So even though you may not have seen it, you know where it comes from. And I found that kind of to be the way with this book. Uh, nothing of it, you know, nothing was like groundbreaking, but it, there were several times when I looked at the book and I went, that's where that came from. That's where this, this meme that I've seen, you know, come up over and over again, especially in other dystopian type stories. This is where they can kind of find their, this was the, this was the Genesis. This was the, the, you know, square one. So, um, I, I kind of got that feeling, and I, I didn't really understand that thought process when I first heard it about Star Wars. Now that I've read this, I understand it. I can, I can I'm like, yep, I, I probably didn't really have to read the book to to know everything, almost everything in it. Like I, I knew bits and pieces from all these different parts in the book. You know, and you know, reading it just kind of cemented it and gave it a, a cohesive story. But yeah, so because uh, the big screen, you know, Big Brother's watching you. That's you know, that is a a term that's been used forever and a day. Um, about, you know, government, you know, oversight. And then I knew about the big, you know, screen walls and so on and so forth. So, um, let's go ahead and get into the actual story itself. Uh, and I, and I'll go ahead and confess this. I did not actually take a lot of notes on this one. I'm actually using, uh, uh, other notes online to kind of go with. So, uh, which is why when we get to the end of the show and talk about other books that we've read, I actually have other books that I've read. <laughs> so, cause I didn't have to like, <laughs> Uh, listen for 15 minutes, stop, take notes. Listen 15 minutes, stop, take notes. Um, okay. So anyway, the book takes place. Did they ever mention his last name? Because in these notes I'm seeing here, it says his name was Winston Smith. I just thought he was yeah. named Winston. Okay. I, I, I just remember yeah, they did. Winston. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So he's a member of the outer party. Um, and his job is really interesting. His job is basically, uh, as these commands come down from, uh, the, the higher ups in his, in his job, as it were, he's supposed to go through along with the rest of his team and rewrite history. Like literally they have to go through and obliterate stuff and change facts and change numbers and everything else. And it, after the, you know, once they get the information, it's written in this weird, I, uh, what did they call it? New speak, I think is what they refer to it. Um, yeah. yeah. They, I, I took it kind of like shorthand. Um, they immediately had to throw it into, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's literally like a hole and it leads to a fire and that's where you throw stuff and that's, that's just where it goes. Um, oh, the memory hole. yes, the memory hole. That's right. Um, so, uh, he works, he works in the, uh, records department in the ministry of truth, which, he talks about that later. There are several ministries and their, uh, their titles are actually just the opposite of what they do there essentially. Um, but he's, you know, he goes through and he's, he's doing this. Um, but the book really starts, it, it picks up, he gets home, he has to help one of his next door neighbors and, um, it's, he goes in and his living room is just there on one wall. It's just this giant screen and it's got a camera in it. And pretty much everyone lives that way. Everyone lives with quote unquote big brother, the government watching over them at any given time. Um, but he is, he's got a little nook that's kind of carved out where the screen can't seem. And he manages to get a hold of a blank book and he decides he's going to 
um, start a journal, which by itself, as he says in the book, is punishable by death. <coughs> um, and it, it, I mean, it, it doesn't mince words. It is very clear that in this, in this future, um, free thought is, is like outlawed. Like you are not allowed to have your own thoughts. You are supposed to believe what you're told. You're supposed to love big brother. You're supposed to go along with everything that everyone else goes with. And, uh, if you're, if you're caught for, uh, uh, thought crimes, as they're put, um, they, you know, it, there are, there are severe punishments to the point that, uh, they even mentioned his next door neighbor that he helped out. Um, I can't remember what the name of the league was, but it's, they start recruiting children very young and basically inundating them with all of these policies and get them to turn on their parents. I, the spies. Some I don't remember what it was called. They're called it, spies. Like, yeah, they were. They're yeah. They're, that's basically what they are. And just I mean, they're spies. They're spies for the government yeah. to turn their parents in for thought crimes or, or anything else that they're not supposed to be doing. Um. So he starts this diary, and he, he he talks about how one of the first things he writes down is that he hates Big Brother, and Big Brother must Big Brother must die. And he finds it very liberating. He already knows at this point, just having the thoughts are would be punishable by death. The fact that he put it down on paper and there is proof of it now pretty much just seals his fate. And he's, I mean, at this point, he, he kind of almost said, he's like, I already don't expect to live much longer than this. I know it's just going to be any time now. I'm going to get caught. In fact, he gets interrupted and by his neighbor again and realizes he's left the book uh, or the journal wide open sitting on a table. And he's like, if anyone had walked by, if she had just glanced over and, and seen anything on that, I, I'd be dead. I'd be a dead man. So, um, so thoughts on that thus far, like, I mean, talk about oppression of oppression. Yeah. So the, the whole rewriting the news every day is just such a daunting task. To oh, me. Yeah. Like, how do you even begin to do that? I mean, in 1940-something, I guess it was conceivable because they didn't have the Internet. But yeah. today, I, it wouldn't be possible in that same way. I, I don't know. It's just – and it's so scary to think, like, they're creating history. They're they're telling people what happened, people that didn't exist or, you know, places that didn't – I don't know. It's just really scary to think about and depressing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, it sort of already happens because history is written by the victors. It's not written by the people right. who suffered and lost. So it already you already have that, and that it is. It's it's just exhausting what he does, and he he when he thinks about it, he's like, I remember when things were different. I remember when this wasn't true, and now all of a sudden, it's true now, and everybody's gonna believe it, even though it's full of shit. And uh, yeah, that part was really fascinating to me. The whole constant rewrite of history so that the the party was always right no matter what even if it was something so little like shoes it didn't matter as yeah. long as the party was right about it that was the point yeah so it didn't matter that it was wrong two weeks ago as long as it's right now then that's what counts and it but yeah it would just and the whole uh it's later on the the hate week thing and well, there's the lead up to it because, you know, we get to, yeah. and, and before we, we, we move to the two minutes of hate, um, yeah. they, you know, the fact that 
you know, you're rewriting every single piece of, of paper, any type of proof. Um, I mean, and it points this out. And unfortunately this is true. You know, human memory is, is garbage. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're getting to the point where we're starting to realize that, um, um, uh, eyewitnesses for crimes are, I mean, even if they were standing right there, there it's, it's, it's bullshit because you don't, you don't remember what you think you remember. And can you imagine trying to go back and think about stuff that happened just even a few years ago? If there was, you know, this overwhelming mountain of proof that shows otherwise, I mean, and they talk about it. There's, there's, um, there's their country and there's two others. And basically yeah. they just switch wars from time to time. But, if you ask anyone, they're like, oh, no, we've always been at war with this one and yeah. Yeah. friends with the other. And he's convinced <laughs> and he was it's alive when he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was. it's only been four years, yet everybody thinks it's just been forever. No, I remember when it was uh, East Asia or your, yeah, East Asia instead yeah. of Eurasia that I'm fighting now. And he's like, and he, he can't comprehend how nobody else remembers this. He feel, It's like he thinks he's the only one that is aware of them just constantly changing history and nobody seems to want to mention that. Yeah. You know, well, we'd be speaking out against big brother. Yeah. But because he, when he talks about his, his wife, his ex wife and how she just sort of accepted everything that big brother said to her and handed to her without question and without, without any, he just couldn't, couldn't live together anymore with that because he basically thought that she was an idiot for just swallowing everything that she got thrown. Well, before we get, before we get started on the other stuff, let's just go ahead and and touch on, on the wife part. He does mention technically he's still married, uh, because he's not granted a a divorce. Uh, but he hasn't seen her in, you know, years. Um, Mm -hmm. but he even mentions, he said, um, one of the, one of the things in the book that it also it hammers on not only are they uh getting children to uh turn on their parents by basically becoming spies of the government but they are um uh brainwashing everyone to basically take pleasure out of almost everything to include sex to the point that sex in the future is literally like it is for reproduction and that is it and he even mentions yeah. that is why he uh couldn't live with his wife anymore because even though the couldn't seem to have a kid. She just insisted that every single week we're going to do this. And because it is our duty to the government. And he's like, I can't do that. I cannot do this. Cause she hated it. She couldn't stand him touching her. Like it was horrific for her that she had to go through this. Cause mm-hmm. now there's, they have a society there called the junior anti-sex league. Yeah. And these girls and women, young women, wear these red sashes like around their waist as a as a sign that I'm part of this party, and I think sex is just horrific. They and even celebrated done. like the lower birth rate at one yeah. point in the book. They, at the end, they were like, "We had a decrease in in births," and I'm like, "That's a good thing because usually it's the opposite. You celebrate." Yeah. <laughs> so sick. Everything. Yeah. So, um, we get to the, the mandatory two minutes of hate where basically everyone is in front of the screen and they, they project pictures of the enemy at the time. And you're literally just supposed to focus all of your hatred and like yell and everything else. And he, he mentions, he's like, you know, uh, 
some of these people he he thinks maybe are, are overdoing it. Some of these people he's like, I, I know they, they believe everything. They believe this 100%. But he talks about how you get, you know, even, even though he doesn't necessarily believe it, you just get, you know, caught up in it because it's such, you know, it's that whole uh, mob mentality thing going on. Um, so during the, during one of the two men, uh, two minutes of hate, he catches the eye of two different people. The first one he gets, uh, the eye of is, uh, someone he calls O'Brien. O'Brien's part of the inner party and he's not sure why, but he just has this feeling in the gut of his stomach that maybe O'Brien kind of feels like this is bullshit as well. Uh, he doesn't have any reason to believe that. There's just something about the way he acts, the way he looks. He's just, he just has this feeling. The other person he catches the eye of is uh, a young woman uh, who's younger than him, has dark hair. And he's completely convinced that uh, she's there. She's a spy and she's there to like catch him. Like that's the purpose. Um, but then uh, and her name is Julia, which he finds out later because um, they bump into each other in a hallway and she drops a note and or puts a note in his hand. And when he reads it, it just says, I love you. And it's just like, what, where the hell is this coming from? Um, so they work out this elaborate way to kind of keep bumping into each other. In some cases, like almost right in front of a screen. Most of the time they're trying to get away from, uh, you know, a, a telescreen, whether it be at, you know, the, the lunch counter or whatever, cause she works in the same building he does just on a different level. And they do finally get to schedule a time where they can get together and meet. And she just flat out says, I, I don't know why she says, I love you, but okay. Um, but then they meet up and like literally just like go at it. Like they're out in the middle of like, uh, some kind of, not a forest, but, uh, the woods. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of the woods, yeah. kind of like a garden, but yeah, it was definitely far enough away. Like it's to the point that he's like, we were far enough away from the tree line in case there were trees that were bugged with mics. And I'm just like, damn. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, they have sex and like, he's like, I didn't know it could be like this. And then they start to fall in love and they have to work. Uh, they have to work their time together very, very uh, carefully. They have to make sure that they're not seen together very often and and so on and so forth. And he ends up uh, procuring a little place where he bought some contraband stuff, actually the the uh, the book that he, he got his hands on. Um, and they end up getting this little uh, kind of above a shop or whatever set up. And um, so let me go ahead and mention the parts of the town that he's going to, that they're going to for their rendezvous. Um I don't know what the name of the people were, but the people were actually, they were considered the lowest the class. Trolls. Yes. Trolls. That, trolls. Yes. Trolls. And they're lower class. They're considered lower class, mm-hmm. lower intellect, lower everything, but they're definitely freer by all means. Like they actually have sex for, you know, recreation and they enjoy life. And even though they don't have much to drink, they drink and they have fun and they actually have some free thought, not a lot, but they have some mm-hmm. free thought, um, yeah. which was, which was, and they're not was, monitored 24 seven. Exactly. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was no, one of the reasons why they got the, the place was cause he was pretty sure they, there was no telescreen there. Yeah. So, um, so they, they start getting together and they, you know, um, they know pretty much there's no way they could ever be together. 
And it's just a further indictment from him that, you know, this is not, this is not going to last. We're going to get caught. It's, you know, it's a question of weeks, maybe months, but we're going to get caught and, you know, shit's not going to happen. Shit's not going to go well for us. Um, mm-hmm. let me see here. I'm checking the notes or whatever. Um, and at one point that, you know, they, they talk back and forth a little bit and, uh, you know, she tells him, you know, you're not my first. I, I do this a lot. I, I purposely am doing things, you know, on the outside, I look like, you know, I'm following in with everything, but she's trying to do everything she can to disobey big brother. Um, which, she basically says I'm a big whore. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm sure was one of the, but he likes that. Exactly. Yeah. She's a traitor from the waist down or something like that is yeah, what he calls her. That, and she thinks it's the greatest compliment ever. <laughs> yeah. She like throws herself at him and thinks it's fantastic and giggles. And yeah. Yeah. That's uh that was interesting. I was like, okay. Cause when we get to the end here and we start talking about the themes and everything, this is, you know, uh, we'll play into all this. So, uh, cause this is one of those books that, okay. I never enjoyed the great Gatsby. Uh, had to read it, didn't care for it, mainly because I had to pick it apart for oh. all of the, um, you know, like every color that was in the book represented something. I was way above my head at that time. This book is very, very clear and plain as to the themes that it's, it's sewing into it, which I enjoyed because it's, it, you can hand it to anyone and anyone's going to pick up on these things. So, um, but they end up, he ends up talking to her and, and convinces her that we should go to O'Brien. I think O'Brien is part of the party and the party is an anti big brother, uh, secret establishment. The yeah. The resistance. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're aimed for bringing down big brother. So they go to O'Brien and O'Brien basically open, you know, you know, welcomes him with open arms. He's like, yes, I'm part of, I am part of the brotherhood. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you, if you are going to be part of this, we have, you know, we need to ask some questions and figure it out. Like, are you willing to, to die for this cause? And they both say, yes, they're, they're, you're willing to die for this cause. They're willing to give their life. They're willing to, um, as he said, do certain things, never ask a question. And like, you know, there may yeah, be a case where we do just, some fucked up shit. Yeah, and, and we're just going to leave like, you hanging. Like when you get caught, like if we tell you to go blow up a school, and you get caught, there's not going to be any help. Like the the most help we will give you is we will try to sneak a razor blade in so you can you know kill yourself. Razor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, not uh, not the greatest bode for uh, uh, you know uh, an establishment you want to join, but okay. Um, <laughs> So uh, at a uh, uh, anti-war rally, now this was interesting. This goes back to the thing. So they're at it, this the it's the week of hate, right? Yeah, the week of hate. Yeah. So this is the extended, you know, not just the two minutes. You get a whole week now. Um, as he is in this week of hate, it is a uh, demonstration against their their current enemy. And as the guy is up on stage reading off, you know, the script as to, you know, why we hate them and so on and so forth, they literally change who they are fighting. They literally switch from one country to the other. And it talks about how banners are are literally being ripped down off of walls and immediately replaced with the banners of their new enemy. 
and no one bats an eye. Like everyone just goes right along with it. Like literally, he said in the middle of a sentence, he used your, uh, what was it Eurasia and then changed it to whatever the other one was. And it's just, and no one questioned it. It was just, yep, that's who we're at war with. That's who we've always been at war with. So, yeah. But, <laughs> and then they spent, blows my mind that people would just, just be able to go along with that so seamlessly. <laughs> yeah. And then they spend the whole next week rewriting everything again, saying it was East Asia we've always been fighting and not Eurasia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the at the rally, he's handed a copy of the book, and it's the Underground Treasonous Volume written by um, Goldstein. And Goldstein is supposed to be a former uh, Big Brother supporter who has who has turned and is is you know founded the Brotherhood as part of the resistance. And it's at this point he starts talking about how um, he got a piece of proof that he could have used. He didn't keep it. Because, of course, he, uh, um, you know, he just immediately, you know, uh, destroyed it in the memory hole. Um, but it, it, it was a picture of Goldstein and someone else years after they, sh- they were reportedly um, killed. And, you know, he, he keeps wondering about that. He's like, you know, I had proof, you know, I don't think I would have destroyed it, you know, had I gotten it now or whatever. He's like, but I had proof that, you know, that they are lying to us. Um but he, he he reads the book. They um, him and Julia go to uh, their little cottage area, and uh, they've had sex. And she's kind of like wandering in and out of out, you know of consciousness. And he's reading the book to her, and it goes through. <coughs> pardon me, and starts explaining stuff, and it starts explaining how um, there is no real war. The war is. The war is self-sustained, and it is—it's just fighting over like a little bit of ground every year, back and forth, and everything is a ruse. There's no real war. We just switch out every so often to, you know, depending on how things are going. But there's no way that any of these three countries can take the other. So yeah. they're in a a you know constant state of you know never getting anywhere but they've all figured out the same thing and they've all figured out that by uh having a perpetual war you can keep people in line you can keep people um essentially you know mental slaves forever because they'll never question it and he talks about how you know the, the problems if if you know with peace is that you know you don't have a lot of production and so on and so forth but with a constant war people are you know they have a goal that they're working to they're they're working towards you know supporting the war effort even though it doesn't go anywhere um and then they keep constantly changing these these numbers that they're coming up with on like the number of shoes that are made and so on and so forth and it explains why those numbers have to be changed because these shoes are, in some cases, they may actually be going towards the war effort. In other cases, they may just be, like, burning them. Like, there's there's no record. It's just that people are making shoes for the war, and those shoes may actually go to something. They may not. It's just to keep people working, keep people busy, keep people not thinking, which is scary as shit. Justify using all these resources. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that part. I couldn't. I got through most of that chunk. That part was really hard to read because it, there was 
very little break. Like it, there was one chunk, it went on for like 10 pages. And I'm like, I oh, can't yeah. read Goldstein anymore. Cause it was very, very dry. I was like reading a textbook. Mm-hmm. It made, it made the, uh, the first part of the book make a lot more sense. Um, but it was, it was really scary. Cause I'm like, this is really well thought out. And I bet somebody in the real world has already thought of this. And that's <laughs> sort of their goal. And that's scary because it made sense to me. It was like, yeah, this may, human nature is set up for this. So if you create this sort of society, it would work. That would work. Yeah. And that's freaky. <laughs> we'll get to there in a second. Um, but he also yeah. mentions things like the fact that, um, you know, the chocolate rations may actually be going yeah. down. But they report it as, oh, they went up from 8 to 10 when they actually went down from 12 to 10. But once yeah. again, because there's no proof and people just accept everything that they're told, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we're getting more chocolate, even though they're not. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he takes it. He reads it. He's reading it to her. She's kind of, you know, in and out of consciousness. And then um, they they both pass out. They wake up at some time later. They're not exactly sure how late it is. And uh, there's a noise from behind a painting in the room that they never thought to check and they check it and there's a telescreen there and it basically says, you know, stay right where you are and they're, you know, stormtroopers storm in, they arrest him, they arrest her, they take him away, take her away. And he's trying, you know, he's, he's like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I've got to be as strong as I can. And uh, the notes that I'm reading here says, it, it actually says days and months. But I never got, and I'm sure that was part of the torture, was the fact that time passes, and you have no idea how much time has passed. Like, he could have been in that first cell for days. He could have been in that first cell for weeks. He could have been in that first cell for months. Um, because, oh, and that's something I skipped over. That's one of the other things it talks about is if you are, if you are suspect of committing thought crime, um, they disappear you is the term they use. They disappear you. So no one... Like, no one will remember you're there. Like, all records of you will be wiped off, you know, off of everything. There's no record of you ever being there to the point that people... You're an unperson. You're an unperson, yeah. Yeah. That people who knew you will literally forget you even existed. So, um, so he's in this room and they basically are just torturing him. They're breaking him down. They're leaving him in there for long periods of time by himself. Uh, occasionally someone else comes in and then they, you know, they leave or whatever. And he finally, he meets back up with O'Brien and he thinks at first that O'Brien's been caught as well. And it turns out that, uh, no, O'Brien has actually been, uh, monitoring him. I think he says at one point for seven years. Um, and so, which, you know, to kind of go back, he completely had him pegged wrong. You know, he thought Julia was the, the spy and O'Brien was, you know, the friend and it turned out to be completely opposite. Um, but yeah, so O'Brien tells him that, you know, um, the party is, you know, they're aware of everything that he's done. I'm sure his wife has something to do with it. Um, and you know, like I said, once, you know, O'Brien's been watching for years. Um, they spend months torturing him. Um, and, and he explains that, Whereas they're like, he says, you know, well, why don't you just kill me? And he said, well, we can't do that. The reason why we, if we just kill you, then you become a martyr and we can't have that because martyrs start resistance. And, um, you know, that's just, it's just, uh, it's correcting the, 
it's not correcting the, the problem. And the problem is, is you don't love Big Brother. So we have to correct that. We have to make you love Big Brother. So that that's literally what they spend time doing is they're they're doing everything they can to destroy his consciousness. And it goes into this part and I'm sorry, I had a um there was a scene in there that was very much uh Star Trek the Next Generation when pa- uh, Patrick Stewart is being uh, tortured. Um where he's telling him, you know, they they're trying to instill what they call uh, double think where you can hold two opposing ideas in your mind, but to believe them to both be true. And they break it down to something as simple as two plus two is four. He's like, two plus two is four. No, two plus two is five, Winston. And he's like, no, it's four. And of course, every time he says it, he gets tortured even more to the point that he does start to question is two plus two, five in some cases. And that's where, you know, the breakdown starts. He has some good, you know, he has some better times. It seems like, you know, the, the therapy is working. Then he has relapses where he'll say something that he shouldn't say. So they kind of throw him back into, you know, everything that's there. And all this is going on in the ministry of love. That's going back to that mm-hmm. first thing about he works in the ministry of truth where they create nothing but lies. He's in the ministry of love where uh, they're basically, you know, torturing people. Um and, you know, they think they've pretty much got him broken down to, you know, his his core. And he's like, you're just, you're still not getting you. You're still not there. And, you know, we've, we've, we've got to, you know, just completely ruin you at this point. So they take him to what the dreaded Room 101. And Room 101 is where they make you face your greatest fear. And his greatest fear, and I don't remember, did he mention anywhere else in the book earlier about his greatest fear being rats? No, but he did react when they were in the room and she, and he was like, there's, it might be rats or something. And yes. she went after yeah. but I don't okay. remember thinking, oh, he has a phobia of rats or something. Yeah, no, I didn't no, no, either. So that was kind of out of left field for me. Yeah. Okay. But so they strap him down. They, uh, they, and O'Brien puts this cage that has these two like starving rats, you know, in it over his face and is basically just giving him an ultimatum that, you know, if, you know, tell me what you tell me what I need to hear. And of course he won't tell him what it is. He's guessing as to what it is. He's like, or I'm going to open this cage and I'm going to let these rats, you know, eat your face. And the second before he, you know, opens the trap, um, he says, you know, do it to Julia. Just don't do it to me. Do it to her. And at that point, he's 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 broken. He's given up the last of his humanity. He doesn't care about anyone else. He's just trying to save himself. Uh, up until then, he had never really truly turned on her. Like he had admitted that they did things, and you know, quote unquote, like um, confessed and turned her in. But he had never really like betrayed her, as he said. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the final straw. And at that point, he quote unquote starts to go through his final healing. So, even though he's been a complete traitor, you know he's he's been all about you know uh, uh, you know trying to bring down Big Brother and is in the best way that he can think of. Um, he's he's changed. And the last chapter or two of the book is him sitting in a uh, a little cafe. And watching the telescreen and just thinking about, you know, what's, what's happening in the war or whatever, you know, what, what's going on or whatever. And how much he 
you know, he, 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 oh, that's right. He meets Julia again and, but she's changed too. And he admits that he gave her up and she admits the same thing. And he's like, she's not attractive to me anymore. And she seems much older and I don't know what she went through. I don't know what her biggest fear was, but obviously they did the same thing to her. Um, and he, he keeps mentioning, he's like, I expect at any time, <coughs> at any day, who knows, it may be here, it may be in my house, it may be, you know, in the street or whatever. Someone's just going to come up and kill me because they won, because I love Big Brother. I, Big Brother is, Big Brother's it. And that's, that's where the book ends. Um, I don't understand that at all. Like, how he went from resisting his whole life, hating him, and then suddenly he he's fine. He loves him, and like what? I think what that's the hell? just. I, I I mean, I could well, you know, I haven't looked too much into the psychology of of uh, brainwashing, but I wouldn't put it past someone to be able to completely turn someone around like that. So, um. But let's let's talk about some of the th- the, the the big themes here. Uh, of course, the biggest one that stands out for everyone is uh, is uh, uh, government oversight, government watching. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of like. Uh, uh, I mean, we have we we have traffic cameras, we have stuff like that, uh, but it's not like in England where they've voluntarily, you know, put up CC, you know, cameras. Closed caption, you know, uh, I'm sorry, closed circuit cameras pretty much everywhere on all the streets. Um, so essentially you are being watched all the time in, in, in Britain. The thing is, is I don't see that. And I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the problem is I don't see that as being a problem. In fact, we're kind of having the opposite thing here in the United States right now with police officers and, you know, the debate as to whether or not they should have to wear a camera at all time. And, you know, it for the most part, you know, not to get too political, I personally believe, sure, you know what, it protects them, it protects, you know, the people they're they're dealing with. So I understand where from, you know, the, the scary, you know, government's watching issue, having cameras everywhere would be a bad thing, but it, it's one of those things it's like I see you where you were coming from, but it I think we've in some cases implemented it where it wasn't such a bad thing. Like there was actually some positives. As to why we did it, so. Um, any any comments on that one? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think um, sometimes it's that fine line, eh? Like you want to be protected and you want to be safe. Um, so knowing it being videoed and 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 having people in on it. For some parts of your life, it makes sense. And then you've got that other part where you're like, oh, yeah, but you're not allowed to see any of this. So it's kind of where, is it all or nothing? Is it, you know, it's the movie The Circle from um, Tom Hanks is in it. It's a new one. And uh, I think the tagline of that is um, uh, people are better when they're watched all the time. Right, like you're you're a better person when you know somebody else is watching, right? Like It's supposed to bring out the best in you. Because if you're going to get caught, they have it on tape. Like, look, you were being douche or you were breaking the law. We have it right here. Mm-hmm. So that was the philosophy behind that. So I get, I understand that too, but it's like, I don't want cameras in my house. I don't want the, you know, the two-way camera where they can see everything in my home. 
But on the street, I want them to catch the guy who caught me off. Exactly, yeah. Accident happened. There's proof. Oh, no, it really was your fault or it was my fault or whatever. So it's like a tricky fine line. Yeah, there's still got to be privacy, you know, personal Mm -hmm. space. Um, Yeah. There's definitely benefits to having some kind of supervision, like you said, but um, we're still, you know, entitled to a certain amount of freedom in in certain spaces. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought up that movie, The Circle, because it was it bring it, it ties into the thing I was going to bring up the fact that um, you know bef- this is you know even though he you know really pegged the whole TVs watching this thing um, you know there's no way he could have seen social media. I can only imagine what his thought on social media would be in that oh, God. people are oh, constantly telling people you know broadcasting out to the entire world you know what it is they're doing and yes. interested in and voluntarily. Voluntarily, voluntarily giving up their information. Yeah. 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 I yeah. He probably would have thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Which I mean, I'll be honest with you, I I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I only give up the information that I want to give up. And let's be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, who's probably tracking me more, the government or advertisers? And it's advertisers. Yeah. It's advertisers. Okay, so. The the worst possible outcome here is that at least right now is that you figure out, hey, Eugene's talked about buying a Nintendo Switch. We're gonna flood everything he does with a Nintendo Switch commercial. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right now that's that would be the that would be the worst outcome. Now I've heard people talk about the ideas that, you know, insurance companies getting a hold of this information and being like, Oh hey, look. Uh, you know, we've got your, we've got your, uh, your, your frequent, you know, buyer record or whatever from Target, and we see that week after week you buy beer, and you know that probably means you're, you know, a little, uh, little more at risk for, you know, certain types of, you know, heart disease or being overweight or something like that. So maybe we'll increase your premiums a little bit. That's a little far fetched. I could see That's, it possibly being, but there's but. still a fine line with that stuff because you get into legal. Troubles just talking about if you use social media when you're hiring somebody, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. people can sue you, you know, for for infringing on their privacy. And, and so, yeah, people can do that, but whether it's upheld, you know, and, and still legal, yeah, is the thing that's kind of up in the air. Which well, uh, people get fired for tweets and for Facebook posts that are insensitive or inflammatory and. Yeah, yeah, so company can look on your Facebook page, which is basically like your resume now, and go through and decide whether they want you for their company or not. Mm-hmm. And if you're already there and they see some unsavory picture that they don't think reflects their their business, they can fire you. And there's still there's no laws based on discrimination from social media. Not yet. I really, I not hope. Yet. I hope my honestly, my hope in the future is. Um, it, it's flipped. I hope it's to the point like where people are going into job, you know, interviews and they're like, well, you know, you don't really have much of a presence online. You don't really seem to do any charity work or something like that. Why should I work for you as a business? Like that's where I think it will <laughs> yeah. hopefully eventually get to. Um, but we'll see. We'll just have to see how that goes. So, um, as for the, uh, the, um, rewriting of history. And the perpetual, the perpetual war. <sighs> Unfortunately, we do have a real, real 
world existence that's a case study that points that all of this can and would happen to some extent. And that's North Korea because, Mm -hmm. you know, their leadership has told, you know, their, their people that, you know, they've invented everything like, and it talked about that in the book. It's like, you know, at a certain period of time, it's like, well, you know, big brother, you know, invented, you know, the air, you know, the helicopter. And then he's like, I, I foresee it within a couple of years. And Big Brother would have also invented the airplane and invented fire. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, North Korea, I mean, is, is a scary, scary example of this. Like you said, this is all, this is like someone figured it out and almost, almost like someone took it as a playbook and was like, Hey, let's implement this yeah. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they're very, <laughs> sequestered in their own country and in tour or, or people who come in who are foreigners, you know, they have to get permission and they're led around by a special liaison and there's only certain places they can go. And if they take pictures, it has to be of this. And like, it's all very staged and, and it's all made to look from the outside. Oh no, we're great. We're fine. Everything's okay. And, and then when really they're all, you know, a lot of their population is suffering and starving. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the thing, the the other thing that, and, and this is the biggest thing for the information part of it. Um, and, and you already, you already mentioned this, Jennifer. Um, I still believe, um, if, if I were going to rank the three greatest things that mankind has ever created, uh, would be probably fire, um, the printed word immediately followed by the printing press and then the internet. Because at this point, and this is why we've got to fight for, you know, keeping the internet free and open as much as possible with the, with the internet, with the collection of information that we have with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, availability to spread information that could like that part could never happen. Like there's no way you can, we all know this. I mean, politicians are figuring this out slowly, but surely you get caught with a bad mm-hmm. picture. That's not going away. Like it doesn't matter how much you scrub. It's going to be, it's exists somewhere on the internet forever. So yeah, the idea of being able to scrub history like that is, you know, I, I, I'm very happy for that. I'm very happy that as long, and as long as we continue to protect it, of course. So yeah, but yeah, but then you do have, you know, people or things that limit, um, freedom of speech and, you know, those, those things can get a little scary and kind of true lead back. And, and I mean, the thing that really, you may have this on your list, but that really shook me is the language, how they were developing their language to basically make it impossible to think anything negative about the government. Oh yeah. And that's a good <laughs> like, point. Yeah. Like censoring them by just how they can even think, you know. That was. Did you guys read that whole section of the book where it talked about the the development of the language, the appendix in the back? I got uh, I got through most. Of, no, wait a minute. I think I did finish it. That was hard to do. Yeah, that was really hard to read, but I managed to. I don't even think I got through all of it, but I got through most of it. And it yeah. Was, Pretty fucked up. Like, but, but no, I mean that's a that's a that is, you're right. That is a super scary thought. The because I never even that was something that's some next level shit that I hadn't even thought about. Is like literally limiting language to the point that people don't even know how to express, 
you know, the idea that they might be having. Because it's like, at some point, it's like, it's no longer, there's no longer words for treason or for, uh, you know, anything. It's just, it's just what, un bad thought or, or something like that or, yeah. Yeah, ungood or... Un- or uh, yeah, that's what was, ungood. It's just all yeah. lumped in, so there's no way to, you know, there's no way we could have a conversation about a specific thing. It would just be, we would run out of words and would not be able to express ourselves. Yeah, the character, um, uh, Sim, Simey or Sim or something like that, who yeah. was who worked in the dictionary on the language, and he was just so happy and excited about all the words that they just canceled out and how in the, in the direction that this language is going to take to the point where you were saying, where you will never be able to explain any or express anything bad or express anything uh, unfavorable to the government because there literally wouldn't be any words for it. And he was excited and, and couldn't, and couldn't wait for it to happen. And you have to get the new dictionary and, you know, have you read this edition of it? And he, yeah, it just seemed really excited to just, and he had a, a big vocabulary and just so excited to reduce people's words to uh, to be able to have no thought, no individuality, and no creativity. It was all double good plus double good and and all of that, which made no sense when you're reading it. Oh, yeah. It was oh, yeah, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's all but... gibberish. Yeah. Like double plus good. That yeah. makes no sense. You're just saying three words that are put together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, final thoughts on the book. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Jennifer? I I enjoyed it in so far as it was an interesting <coughs> story, but it was very depressing and uh, scary because even though a lot of things obviously didn't turn out that way, there are a lot of things that are or could be going that way, and uh, it's just scary to think about, and kind of a warning and omen, you know, and it's telling how, how it still applies 50, 60 years later, Mm -hmm. um, in certain situations. But Chris, what did you think? Um, I, I'm liking it. I don't, I, yeah, it's a hard, it's hard to read because it's so Dry. dense and it's very specific and very dry and but the ideas that this new government like the the government in the book have are just so specific and so detailed and even the littlest thing is is important enough even though it makes no difference in the grand scheme of things it's it's important to get the whole co- the, to get everything all done and for it all to be congruent and um so I, I like it, especially with what's going on politically in the world, because you can make parallels and some of it's a little scary and some of it's, um, well, most of it's scary. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 my, my thing is I really, I love the past. I love history. So I'm really fascinated with the lengths that they go to, yeah. to change history. And my favorite quote is from a Canadian band, it's, um, and it's from a song called Enid, and it's, memory is a strange thing. Right, like everybody's got your memory can fail you. you uh, your memory is different from my memory, even though we were there at the same time, and it changes over time. And so it makes sense that the government is able to do this because, like you said, uh, you can't trust eyewitnesses anymore because their memory is they they can't remember it perfectly, and they're right. missing details. And 
face is wrong, right? Like the remembering details of the face wrong because the human brain is, you know, faulty like that. But I'm liking it so far. And when I finish it, I will understand why it's even more depressing than it already is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's depressing. Um, I liked it in that, like, I, I think it is an important book. I definitely think, I don't want to say everyone should read it, but I would say anyone who has any interest in not, not just the current political climate, but any political climate, like it's one of those things that, you know, you, you want to, um, and I, I honestly, I think it should definitely be read by, um, uh, high school slash college students. Like that, that's like the key time to be like, Hey, look, you know, this guy foresaw this back in the forties, like, and look how much of what he predicted is still applicable to today. And, you know, it, yeah. it's something you could have, sit down and have a, you know, detailed in from, you know, interesting conversation about. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is dry. If, if you haven't read it, um, it, it just, you know, give it a shot. Go ahead and just go ahead and give it one run through. I'm not saying make it like your annual book. You've got to go to every single year or anything like that, but, uh, well, do that. <laughs> oh, geez. Can you, you imagine? Yeah. I will, I will say one more thing, um, that fascinated me was that they were consistent on turning them before they killed them. You know, like most times you hear about these people, these governments that are repressive, just trying to find everybody and get rid of them as quick as possible, but they're spending years, you know, months, weeks, whatever, actually trying to turn them and make them, you know, believers before they just kill them. Like, yeah. Why? Why? I don't know. Just crazy but yeah, yeah. The, oh um there was some oh jesus i just had a thought and i lost it there's something else <laughs> specifically about just the overall the oh that's what it was the key things that they found were you know to to keep to keep this uh this power to keep everyone in check was um of course to limit free thought to limit um individuality and of course, to limit any progress, like that was the other thing was there was never any progress. Technology never moved forward. Science never moved forward. They were pretty much just like, yeah, we know we could probably go further than what we are at now, but it, it would just cause, you know, disruption and we can't have that. So we're mm -hmm. just, things are never going to get better. They're probably going to continuously keep getting a little worse, maybe a little better, continuously oh. get worse. And, and O'Brien actually said that the sun revolved around the earth. Everything revolves around the earth. Like they had moved that far backwards scientifically oh, in thought. Yep. It just blew my mind. Like what? Oh, we could totally move the stars if we wanted. We could turn them around, but they're just convenient. We could but make we, things float. Like what? But you could see how if somebody started saying that and because of this whole, you know, Phenomenon now where opinion equates fact. Well, I feel like this is true, so it's going to be true. Where somebody could start touting, well, that is true. We can do that. And then people actually starting to believe it. You know, he says and he's got proof. And so, yeah, it's a believable thing because people can be, if, they, if they're already having, starting to have doubts about what is fact, and if somebody gives them something alternative, it's like, no, no, that's true now. Alternative facts? Alternative facts. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, yeah, it goes back it, to the it, whole thing. If there's no fact, if there's nothing you can point to. Exactly. There's no proof that, yeah. no, this 
then yeah, how are you supposed to refute it? And that was his whole argument. With he's the crazy argument. one. <laughs> yeah, he's the crazy one, even though he, what he knows, it, it's the can't prove it because there's literally nothing for him to show anybody because they can be like, no, this book right here says that that didn't happen. So how are you right? Here, you want to yeah, yeah. know two scary things real quick before we move on to uh, what we've been reading and picks and pants and stuff. Um, there's been lots of studies that show uh, you, almost every cell in your body replaces itself in seven years. Mm-hmm. So you are literally a different Physically speaking, you are a different person than you were seven years ago. Every cell in your body mm-hmm. has replicated and replaced itself within the last seven years. So as for that memory, technically, you know, it's not the actual same memory that it was if it was more than seven years ago. Furthermore, furthermore, <laughs> there's a current study out that seems to think that every time you access a memory, you actually change it because, I mean, there's no way to... You know, just the law of how things work physically in the universe, you can't, you can't, you know, um, access a memory without technically having some kind of effect to it. Like, it's just, it's physically impossible. So that's why a lot of people are like, well, yeah, memory is kind of fucked up because every time you keep thinking about it, you're definitely, you're changing it one way or the other. It may be very small, maybe very minute. You may be putting more of a happy spin on it. You may be putting more of a, you know, sad spin on it, depending. So, um, yeah, just kind of going back to the whole thing about not being able to trust memory. So, uh, now that I've brought everyone down. All right. Um, <laughs> well, uh, that's why I, Albus Dumbledore has that pants here. So he can just go, yeah, there you go. The memory in and it's, yeah. <laughs> have one people wonder why we are skeptical of things that, you know, were written a long time ago or based on mm-hmm. memory. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, thank God for written word slash printing presses slash the internet. All right. Um, we're going to, we're going to continue the, uh, the, um, horrible future train by our next book. And uh, that is the handmaid's tale, which uh, ironically we figured out before the show started was written in 1985, uh, by Margaret Atwood. So a Canadian author. Yay. And, uh, so I'm well, hoping I can now, is it, is, is it an ongoing series that's on Hulu or do y'all know? Cause I'm thinking this may be one I would, I try to go ahead and read the book and then go ahead and watch the show. I'm not sure know. if this is a limited release or if it's the first season. Okay. I would imagine it as popular as it's been though. It'll keep going. Yeah. I don't remember it being that big of books. I don't know how much they can do with it well they may try to add a bunch of stuff to it so maybe yeah which would be interesting especially if you know we if hollywood i read it, and would watch never. it and do what <laughs> hollywood would never yeah <laughs> so um all right well let's move on uh what else have you been reading chris have you had a chance to read anything else over the last month no because i was trying i've been trying to get through this book because there's it, it, it was really hard to get into and get motivated um, to read it and um, we've been doing a lot of stuff around outside the house so it's also been I've been too tired yeah well to read yeah. Up. when the weather's nice yeah. when when it's nice I'm outside so gotcha what about yeah. you Jennifer have you been reading anything 
I started reading The Phantom of the Opera after this one. Really? But I haven't finished it. This is, yeah, the first first time through it. I saw the play last month and, and so hopefully it helps, you know, answer some questions. Okay, cool. Or confuse me more because they changed it, you know. <laughs> exactly. You're like, wait, that wasn't in the thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, uh, I actually did not take, like, I didn't take the continuous notes like I normally do, like, for the previous books. So, I actually got two other books read. Like, I actually finished the second one literally, like, maybe an hour before we started recording. Um, I, I managed to read the fourth book in the Magic 2.0 series, Fight and Flight. Uh, it's by Scott Meyer. I love this series. Uh, basically, it's just the ongoing adventures of uh, a group of of uh, guys and gals that are all programmers, uh, hackers slash programmers that throughout different points in history find this, this hidden file that's basically, it basically it controls the universe. It controls the world. And so they start figuring out by going in and altering little things in this file, they can do certain things and they all end up screwing themselves over and have to go back to, they all like kind of get the same idea of, well, I can manipulate, you know, the physical universe. Is there a time and place I could do that where it wouldn't seem out of sync? Oh, I know. I'll go back to England and become a wizard. And that's literally what it's about. But it's very lighthearted. Like one of the first things they say is rule number one is don't make the obvious joke about your wand or your staff. <laughs> uh, so uh, like I said, it's very lighthearted. It's very funny. I, I, I really am enjoying it. Uh, the other book that I actually just finished tonight is uh, Unholy Ghost. It's apparently the first book in the Downside Ghost series by uh, Tessia Kane. It was interesting. It was all right. Um, it's It basically is this idea that um, at some point during... At some point during time, like, literally all of these ghosts come up and just start, like, killing people. And uh, the church basically drops their idea that they're in servitude to God. They're actually here as protectors of the world and start enlisting people to learn magic to um, seal away these ghosts or whatever. When, of course, the main character, uh, she has some other stuff going on, like, you know, she's addicted to drugs and this, that, and the other. So there's some other stuff in there. It, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea, uh, an interesting take on the idea of, of using magic and, and, uh, and ghost and stuff like that. Um, it just didn't have enough of it in there for me. Like a lot of it was, was kind of like this, uh, she gets in trouble with like, uh, her drug dealer and then this like opposing group and there's kind of a mystery that she's trying to figure out and there just wasn't a much as much of the um spiritual or you know as in as in ghost and, and exercising stuff in there that I was, I was hoping for so because you really only kind of get it really really super bookend at the beginning and at the very end and I was just like all right are we gonna get back to this or you know what's going on so uh, but it, it was okay. So I don't know if I'll pick up any more in the series. I'll, you know, if I get, if I get a bunch of credits stacked up, maybe I will, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm actually trying to figure out what the next thing I'm going to read is. So besides our next book that is. So that is it, our show for the week or for the month, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please give us a uh, five star rating on iTunes, Stitcher or, or Google play, wherever you uh, might listen to the show. Uh, we also record the show once a month live on, uh, on, uh, YouTube, uh, so if you ever want to jump in there and uh, share your thoughts, you're more than welcome to. Um, 
You can, of course, find the show on uh, epicallygeeky.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at epicallygeeky. Uh, and then uh, you can also check out some of the other shows that we have on there, the uh, Epically Geeky uh, Show, uh, Epically Geeky Makers, uh, Epic Rhythm and Brews. Uh, we got lots of, lots of shows, lots of stuff to check out. So, you know, if you're looking for something to listen to, you know, come find us. So, um, where can we find you on the Internet, uh, Chris? On Instagram at the Lake Life. Is it? Did That's you drop the periods, or is it all together? No, I didn't. But I sound ridiculous when I say it. So oh, it's kind the of dot Lake. I kind of like Jennifer, where can we find you online? Um, Instagram and Twitter at Het's gonna be me. I, I'm sorry, I still love that. I, I've, I think I've always meant to ask you, <laughs> how did you come up with that? Did you just like? Let me tell you, it was a struggle because I, when I got Instagram and Twitter, I was late on the bus and I wanted something super clever and everybody calls me Hetz or Hetzel or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm like, well, I got to make a play on my name. So nice. uh, I went through several iterations of song lyrics and <laughs> stupid quotes <laughs> and somehow I just managed that one and I was like, it's perfect. It's yep. cheesy boy band, nineties and early yachts, whatever. So, yeah. I went with deal. it, and if and you know now that it's May, I have to yep. <laughs> celebrate that every year <laughs> on social media. Yes, besides May. the uh, copious yeah. amounts of pizza posts I see on your on your uh, on your social feeds, <laughs> so. I'm a very uh, what's the word um, mis- mysterious person. You know, it's hard to figure me out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at. Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.